The Bible says, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Let's also read Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Today we're going to briefly talk about the altar. The altar of incense, which is the prayer altar, which is the place that is found at the heart of the tabernacle. Uh, briefly, I'm going to give an example. The Old Testament is exposed and fulfilled in the New. But the New Testament is hidden in the Old. That's why throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, when something tremendous happens, they would say, this is happening now in the New to fulfill what was then prophesied in the Old. Because the Old Testament hides the New, but the New fulfills the Old. The Old Testament was written by prophets. The New Testament was written by apostles. We have 39 books in the Old Testament. We have 27 books in the New Testament. Together gives us 66 books of the entire Bible, the Word of God. So, everything that is happening in the Old is the shadow or the figure of what will be happening in the New. Now, when we look at the tabernacle, Murimu says to Moses, built it according to my specifications and according to the pattern in which I will give you. So, in short, how will you have a big eye view looking from the top? Let's say you are flying on a plane and you're looking down on the tabernacle. And then if they remove the covering of the tent, yeah. what you would see, the way in which the, the furniture is the image of the cross. On the outer part, which is on my feet, you will find the brazen labor and the brazen altar. And then on the knees, that is the door to the holy place. And then in the holy place, right here on my chest, is the altar of incense. On the far left, is the table of showbread. On the far right, is the candlestick, the menorah. Right? And then here is the, is the curtain that gives you access to the most holy place. On the head, that is where you see the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. That is where Moses says, when the Lord speaks, his voice comes between the cherubims because he is God. And when God speaks, we obey. He speaks from the most holy place. The duty of the priest was twofold. One, it was to do the service in the tabernacle especially in the holy place. 
they had to make sure that the bread on the table of showbread, I think every seven days, they need to change the bread so that the bread will forever be fresh. Speaking to us about fresh revelation on a daily basis. Because yesterday's manna becomes rotten today. It is toxic. The very thing that was working for you yesterday, it will kill you today. Every new level has a new devil. So you can't be dealing with a new devil using old weapons. So the priest's duty was to make sure that the bread is forever fresh. Every seven days, they take away the old bread and they bake new bread, fresh bread, and they put it upon the table. Right? Now, on the far right, on the lampstand, what the priest's duty was, it was to make sure that there is light. It was to make sure and the light emanated from the olive oil to sustain the light to be forever burning so that there's light in the tabernacle. Right? And then on the chest, on the altar of incense, the altar of incense uh, had incense in it. Right? And there's ingredients to formulate that incense. And those ingredients, they have an aroma like of a perfume. So when fire comes upon the incense, it then spreads the smell, the sweet-smelling aroma of the presence of the Lord in the entire tabernacle. And then in the outer court, they had to put the wood on the, on the altar, the brazen altar. They had to make sure that there is wood every morning so that fire can be burning consistently, continuously, and without an end. So that when you put a sacrifice upon the, the, the wood, there is fire there burning. Because God says the fire must always be there. And then the fire and the wood and the sacrifice are in the outer court. And I want to emphasize that. If you are struggling with giving, you are struggling with outer court issues. Because sacrifice was not even made in the holy place. Was not even made in the place of prayer. In the place of worship. It was made outside. You are still outside the tent. You are in the outer court. And the outer court was lit by natural light. Which is the sunlight. Which means you have limited time to get your business in order. The holy place was lit by artificial light, which was from the candles. The most holy place was lit by the glory, the presence of his presence. So don't be fooled by people who are depending on artificial light because their time is limited. You struggling with sin is an outer court issue. Struggling with adultery, outer court issue. Struggling with giving, outer court issue. You are nothing but a baby. But we don't determine your maturity by how much you know because the power of your knowledge is in the doing. It's not enough to know about God if you don't do what God says to So, the two altars that are speaking to each other is the altar outside, which is the altar where your offering is, and the altar inside, which is the heart of the tabernacle. You see where the crosses, the vertical bar and the horizontal bars are crossing. It's like, it's like a joint, right? That is where the altar of incense is. It is 
of the presence of God. Without prayer, without that altar, there's no tabernacle. Even the ark of the covenant is leaning on that altar. Because when the light shines from the other side, behind the altar of incense, I mean behind um, the ark of the covenant, the shadow falls upon the altar of incense. Psalms 81. Verse 1. We are there. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high God shall abide. So what is the secret place in the tabernacle? It is the altar of incense. Because when you are there, you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Where is the Almighty in the tabernacle? In the arm of the covenant. So when you are by the altar of incense, by default, you are overshadowed by God. So the man who works in prayer is the man who walks in his presence. Because, because the altar of incense has got its own perfume. You have the song sweet perfume, his awesome presence. Feel this place. It was talked about that exactly. You will get that sweet perfume in the altar of incense. Possible for you to work in a factory where they say with a perfume of any ingredients, how about about It's impossible to go to a and clear. As much as Osai Tasa, but because that's why when you are a praying person, there's this smell that emulates out of you when you appear, demons disappear because they can sense that perfume. in the altar of incense in the holy place if you fail to be in the altar outside in the brazen altar and you did not give. Let me repeat that one. The procession, it begins going You first put your sacrifice, done deal. There's a basin you wash, done deal. Repentance is done. Then you come to the holy place, you do your business. Then you can make your prayers go to the Lord. So many of us, yes, we pray, but prayers are not answered because we pray amiss. What causes the amiss part of it is the fact that we did not follow the procession of prayer. We pray unrepentant. You just zoom into prayer as filthy as you are, as dirty as you are, and in the old temple, I mean in the tabernacle of God, if you were to do that and zoom into the most holy place with unresolved sins, you would die because of the very presence of God. The presence would execute you immediately. So that is the reason why we do pray, yes, but prayers are not answered. Why? We did not repent. And when God gives us instruction, we don't follow. God says, forgive people, you don't forgive. God says, give, you don't give. God says, tithe, I, God, we're not the generation that tithes. When you walk with God, because He is divine, you will experience his divinity. It will be divinity upon humanity. And the earth and the heavens will touch each other. 
right? You will experience some divine attributes or characters. The divine weapon. Our divine weapon is prayer. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. They are pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every hiding that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought to the obedience and to be in subjection to the will of God. That is prayer. It's our weapon. It is not carnal, it is not of the flesh, but it pulls down strongholds. That is our divine weapon. There's a divine strategy. When God gives you instructions on how to do something, the how-tos. When God says to Moses, that was a divine instruction, a divine strategy. And then we get what we call divine enablement. A divine enablement is the anointing from God. Uh, he gives you the ability to remove burdens and destroy yokes because of the anointing. Isaiah 10, 27. And then we get the divine manifestations. Remember when three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the midst of the fire? And the Bible says, as they were worshipping, the fourth man appeared, manifested divinely in the fire. And he was the son of God. I tell you that Jesus was forced to come and appear there while Mary and Joseph never even existed. They were, he was divinely appearing and manifesting because demon needed him to appear there because our God is a consuming fire as well. Why do we talk about fire? Let me tell you, you need to fix your altar. Do you know why the altar Yabal the God of Baal did not answer. Do you know why? It is because the Aftakah on the other hand had everything and someone was standing before it and worshipping the true God. The reason why Yakamo Isa Isa Tukamolo is precisely because Yakamo it was in order. But if Elijah was not in order and his Aftakah was not in order, Baal was going to answer. The reason why people's altars are working against your altar it is because you are not consistent in your altar. <laughs> but knows very well when Nkasi respond if the true man of God who is worshiping the true God in the true altar is very present. But if you try to navigate, I will then zoom in and act as a God. So the reason why their altar is progressing against yours it is because your altar or you are questionable. When you read the fire on the altar must not go out. It must be continuous. It must be consistent. Jesus says we must pray without ceasing. We need to have time allocated for prayer. Prayer is the language for believers. Prayer is a covenant, and a covenant should not be broken under no circumstances. It should never be broken. Hence, he says, pray without ceasing. Men always ought to pray. There's a difference between you must and you ought to. If I say you must, it means, well, if you choose not to, it's okay. But if 
I say you want to, it means the outcomes of what you are doing will benefit you. And without you actively involving yourself in doing that thing, it means you will not benefit. So the Bible says, men always ought to, which means you'll be the beneficiary of the act of praying. So when you don't pray, you forfeit those benefits that you want. We need the altar of incense. Now, can't you look at it there? The, it was twofold the reason for the priest. One is the left in the service of the altar, and in the tabernacle, where it's a show when I'm all everything. Two was to make sure that they lay prostrate before the Lord in worship and in prayer. Now, in closing, the garments that they were wearing as priests were very profound and prophetic in nature. It's called an ephod. An ephod is like an apron. And then they are joined by the two onyx stones. One stone on the left has six names of the tribes of Israel, and the other stone has the other six names. And then they are also on top of the ephod, they are wearing a breastplate. On the breastplate, there are 12 stones resembling the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, as a priest, your duty was to intercede, stand in the gap for the nation. The names that are written and that are put on the shoulder, they symbolize a burden. That's why they are on the shoulder. But the same name are on the heart, which symbolizes love. What is God saying to us? God is saying, it's not easy for you to pray for someone who becomes a burden to you, but you don't love the person. But it's easy for you to pray for that person who is a burden, but you love the person. That's why we should be motivated by love as the children of God in the house of the Lord. When Jesus was on the cross, he was on the altar, the outer court. And he became the sacrifice on behalf of the church. Hence he was talking about, Father, forgive them, forgive them to an outer court issue. For they do not know what they are doing. And that's why you saw there was blood, there was water. All those two things are happening in the outer court of the tabernacle. Water is in the basin. Yeah. Blood is in the brazen altar when they sacrifice. And here is the thing that's done. When they slaughter that animal in the outer court, they then take the blood, sprinkle it across the tabernacle, and then the whole tabernacle. But here's the beauty. When the fire comes on the altar of incense, it then brings the smell of the perfume which purifies the whole temple, the whole tabernacle. Such that even those people who are on the outer court are getting the drizzles, the fragments of the process called diffusion. Yeah. 
And if you are not careful, they will think they are in the presence. Honey, they are getting the remnants of the presence. They are not getting the real deal. The people with the real deal are the people in the holy place. So, Jesus died on the cross, outer court. But there's an altar in heaven. Where the Bible says, the angel is by the altar of incense. And he's taking the prayers of the saints together with the incense which purifies and gives beauty and aroma to those prayers. And then he presents them before the Lord. I'm here to say Jesus on the cross is qualifying you and I to go to the altar where the angel resides. So that your prayers don't fall to the ground, but they fall upon the hands of the angels. And that angel assigned by God takes the very prayer and presents it with the incense. Because you pray at the right place, having been forgiven by God. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. Oh, he forgives me. Then I have access to the altar of incense without a penalty of death. Because you have forgiven me. Now we need to maintain the status of forgiveness so that we can maintain access eternally on the altar of incense. It's only I and you who can disqualify our prayers by moving from the state of holiness into the state of being a sinner. And therefore, when we pray, we look like a person who is dead in the temple. So, when Jesus died on the cross, the heavens and the earth were touching, the two altars were touching. So that you and I, when we pray, that's why it says, you can ask anything in my name, it shall be done. I have afforded you, I have become a sacrifice for your prayers. To be heard. Ask and you will receive. Knock, the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. This is the same God, if you are doubting, this is the same God who says, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. This is the same God who parts the seas. This is the same God who says, my name is Jehovah, I am who I am. He's the consuming fire, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords. He is Alpha, he is Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the self-existing God. No one voted him to be God and no one can give him a vote of no confidence because he said, Behold, O Israel, I looked before me, there was no God. I looked beside, there was no God. I looked in front, there was no God. Behold, O Israel, the Lord your God is one and beside him there is no other. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the bread of heaven. He's the man. He's the living bread. He's the great 
I am. That God is going to make a way for you where there seems to be no way. He's the way maker. He's the covenant keeping God. And he comes to a covenant keeping man. So that the covenant of the God can be established and be kept. Yeah. When he speaks, it becomes a law. It's an authority. He is mighty. When we pray in the altar of incense, you can even pray in tongues, Masalani. There's different kinds of tongues. When Hannah was praying, it was one of those tongues. She was groaning. Hence, the priest said, you look drunk, you sound drunk, because the lips are moving, but I'm not hearing you, because it was groanings which cannot be uttered. That is Romans chapter 8. Second types of tongues, uh, Acts chapter 2. They spoke in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the people, the native people of that place, they could hear the languages spoken by the foreigners. It was foreign to the speaker, but familiar to the hearer. It was not the tongues we think, it was a prophecy. As the Spirit gave utterance. First Corinthians chapter 14, unknown tongues. Those are the tongues that you and I talk about. And then First Corinthians chapter 13, this one, tongues of angels. When the angels were appearing before Abraham, before uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what language are they speaking? Tongues of angels. So there are diverse kinds of tongues. You need to know which is which and which is used where and how. You can go to a place, most are speaking the language of the, of the, of the place, Mone, and then we turn over in the spirit and you're, you, you, are, you are led by the spirit as it gives utterance. Before you know it, someone asks, how did you know what you were saying about me? Then, uh, I was just praying as the spirit gave utterance. What did I say about you? Because I was just praying. It was those kinds of tongues in Acts chapter 2. The person praying is unfamiliar language hearing or as the spirit brings utterance. Groanings is tongues that cannot be uttered. It means you are crying and you are in pain because when you groan, the word groan, it means you are responding to pain with an expectation to receive. It's like a pregnant woman in labor. She's groaning. No words are coming out. She's groaning. <laughs> That's groaning in the spirit. Some of you have been groaning without realizing because you did not know what you were doing. You thought you were crying because of the situation, but you were in the spirit. And after that crying, there was a breakthrough. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. That's why Hannah could not give birth, but after the groaning, the womb was opened. For He helped us in our infirmities, in our moments of weaknesses, when we groan and we are weak, He helps us. He co-labors with us. He cooperates with us. He works together with us for our own benefit so that we can benefit of the growing. We don't only travail, but we grow. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the receiving of your word. We thank you that the word will never return void. We thank you that the word fed upon foundations that are, that are fertile, soils that are fertile in Jesus' name, and you are establishing a foundation for them. Father, we thank you that in you we live and move and have our being. We thank you that this way will never return void. It will accomplish every purpose to which it was sent. Father, I cancel even monitoring spirits that are monitoring the progress of your children, that are trying to abort the, pro- the progress of your children in the name of Jesus. No more monitoring. I hide their progress under the blood of Jesus. They will be undetectable and their blessings will be irreversible in the name of Jesus because no one will curse what God has blessed. No one will undo what God is doing in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that you are opening your floodgates of blessings for your children at the appointed time which is now. I speak against every debt. I speak against every sickness and disease. I speak against unemployment. I speak against any form of witchcraft that is slowing down the progress of your children. I nullify it. I render it void and invalid as of today in the name of Jesus. Father, we bring our prayers upon your altar of incense where the angel resides. And Father, we thank you that it is amen from here. Yeah. It's done in the name of Jesus. The blind will see. The lame will walk. The deaf will hear. The mute will speak. The dead will resurrect. The unemployed will be employed. The employed will be promoted. Businesses will be established. Prodigal sons will come back home. The lost sheep will be found. The lost donkeys will come back home. In the name of Jesus. We declare restoration in every shape, form, and size in Jesus' name. Father, we are speaking against the locusts, the caterpillar, and the caterpillar. Let it spill out what is stolen from us. We are speaking restoration. We are speaking revival. We are speaking recycling in the name of Jesus. Whatever we lost is coming back in Jesus' name. Whatever we forfeit is coming back in Jesus' Whatever the enemy has stolen it is coming back in a greater quality, quantity, and kind. And it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.